the following, a podcast dedicated to two words Jesus used to change the world, follow me. He used it then, and he uses it now. What does it mean? Does it define the boundaries of our relationship with him? Come and join us as we explore Follow Me in the following. Well, it's a, really a great privilege to have um, my uh, middle child, oldest son, Seth, here with us. So we've just been to church, uh, and um, he's staying with us for the evening service, doing the music. Um, Seth has uh, got to be one of the smartest people I know, and certainly when it comes to theology in um, Christian history, uh, is well-read as any seminarian. Uh, and what I was going to ask you, Seth, is we, we've been talking in the following about the necessity to try to get beyond the um, beyond the two thousand years of commentaries and, and and try to somehow get our position ourselves shoulder to shoulder with the, the people in the New Testament to try to look from their position outward um, and to try to begin a new, new dynamic as we watch and we watch people go through the process. Do you have any thoughts on how you might be able to do that? Um, I guess, on the one hand, um, remembering that the same God that wrote the Scriptures, the same God that superintends the Scriptures, the same God that was a, a pivotal part of their coming together and, and forming uh, the story of Christ in the early church, uh, walks with us and reads with us um, and is part of our uh, drawing wisdom and learning from the scriptures so that um, and, and in, a, in a special way that only God can which is that if if I when I look at the past I look to the long past as something that is distant from me I look to the recent past as something that is closer I look at the future as something that is unavailable to me and I sort of live uh, sort of right at the at the playhead, as it were, forgetting quickly most of what came before and having no idea what's coming ahead. God doesn't experience time like that. We're told in 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 scripture that God is eternal and that 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 a day is as a thousand years and that the future to him is is uh, already written and understood and that that we're not surprising God with what happens but 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 also that God doesn't lose so much of the language about God in scripture is about how well he remembers how well he comprehends the past and his promises in the past how well he comprehends the struggle or the sin of his people um, and so that if when you add those two together one of the things you you discover is that the God that walks with us today the spirit that indwells us today is the same in 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 for God in the same moment as the as the God that was writing scripture it, it doesn't surprise the spirit then to discover that someone in New Zealand um, in, a, in a in a Western culture speaking English reads this story and in fact if you look at the way Christ spoke so many of the metaphors that he does use still work because they are these the the basic building blocks of human experience they're they're heat and light and bread and water and being thirsty and being hungry um that the, the, he uses these images that should still make sense to us should still hold true to us as people that he not only 
foresaw but prayed for when he when he took his time in John to, to pray for those who would come to believe in him without seeing him. Um, that, that Jesus saw us coming. We weren't a surprise. Um, and I guess it, on the other half of that is just to remember that the Bible doesn't necessarily line up with uh, whatever angle we come at it from. So many times we approach scripture going, uh, I want to know that I'm right about this, or I want to know that I'm correct uh, in, in my assuming of this. I want to uh, be able to uh, assume this with certainty and with, whereas I, I think the other way of reading scripture is coming with far less certainty about us and saying, I, I want this book to teach me who I am, to teach me how I should look, how I should see the world, how I should uh, how I should breathe this air in, in, in my context. And when you're, when you're asking those foundational questions and letting the book read you and, 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 and doing what, what Eugene, Peterson called, Eugene Peterson called spiritual reading, um, that you're reading that book in the presence of a God that has opinions about you, in the presence of a God that is carefully teaching you. And so you start reading as someone who is to be taught, as someone who sees Christ as a teacher, giving good messages, who sees God as a as a sovereign, giving good blessings. And you begin just in that pose, stepping into the world that Christ imagined for his followers as people who knew God as father, as people who knew him uh, like a close friend, as people who knew the, his spirit as a daily um, a moment to moment experience. And so that we can begin putting ourselves in a place where when, when Jesus speaks, the first thing we do, rather than see if we can cite theologians or remember if this agrees with everything we've ever taught, is just listen and listen with an intent to obey and work that into our lives. And if you're doing that, so much of the rest falls away. So much of the argumentation falls away because this the stuff that is confusing and there is stuff that is confusing and the stuff that is unclear and there is stuff that's unclear is nowhere near as loud in that moment when you sit inside the Testament as the stuff that is straightforward and um, convicting and speaks straight to who you are and who you should be. So I think... Uh, just bringing ourselves to a place where we can honestly listen, where we, where we stop for a minute to make sure we have understood the words in the order that they came to us through the scriptures that were given to us, and then ask other questions if there is confusion. And if there is not, simply to, to execute that play and begin mm. uh, living that life that we're called to live. Uh, I was reading in First uh, Peter um the other day, and I came First Peter chapter one. Uh, Peter, it says, though you do not, he's writing to the Christians in, in uh, dispersion, scattered around um, Asia Minor, yeah. Asia Minor, I think. Um, and he's writing them to keep them encouraged. But he says, though, though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with the joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. And um, I was just um, reminded again that, that this was right uh, near the time that Peter would be crucified upside down. And he is um, giving us a picture of the, 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 the generational handoff. Right. He, he, he's a follower of Christ. He's handing to the, the first generation of, of Christians that won't have Christ. 
Right, who can't say, like Paul did, that we were witnesses of these things. Right, right. But, but somehow there was a desire on the part of the apostles and, and uh, the leaders of the church to protect the, the, um, the intimacy of, and, and, the, and the, uh, the nature of Christ's teaching. And I guess what, what frustrates me is, is that we look, uh, in, in my, my background, um, the, the, the concept of, of salvation and, and um, conversion being separate from uh, the Christian life and, and just sort of uh, uh, compartmentalizing the faith seems to have wandered um, well away from the, um, the, the simple precept of Christ when he told the, the disciples to follow him, just follow me. And that somehow the, we need to find our way back to what it means to simply follow Jesus. I, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think this morning in church, the pastor went from Jesus saying in the Sermon on the Mount, don't worry about oaths and structures of honesty and structures of, of, of contract. Just be honest and and let your yes be yes and your no be no. And if you roll forward to James, and there's a beautiful familial relationship between the teaching of Christ and the teaching of James, James is just going, hey, don't swear oaths. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be honest. And so there is tons of interesting history there yeah. in the, the history of, uh, of oath-making and, the, and the, the history of sort of... Uh, uh, oral contracts law there is tons of interesting commentary there but in that time that elapsed it went from be, be people with honesty and integrity whose yes and yes is, and no is no to be people with honesty and integrity whose yes is yes and no is no so you can just take that you can just say what is what scripture requires of me is this and you can just slot that slot that into your life and if you find a commentary that makes that easy to understand and, and opens that up for you so you see new ways of being someone with integrity and letting your yes be yes and no be no, then that's that commentary doing what a commentary should do. If you find ways that that, a, that a, the commentary is saying, oh, back off, you don't actually need to to uh, you know to worry about that so much, uh, then, then maybe you just step away and say, hey, this is certainly something I was called to do. Christ told me to do it. Christ's brother told me mm. to do it. This is just something I should massage into the basic sort of fabric of my life. The, the basic structure of who I am should be someone whose yes is yes and their no is no. Um, I think we, we can uh, look for complexity to look for space to hide or mm. look for complexity to look for permission to go, oh, that's complex, therefore I can, I can brush mm. it aside. Wherever there is complexity, we need to be honest with it. We need to be nuanced thinkers. We need to be careful with it. But but where the teaching is plain, where the, the call to us is to love, we should love. Where the call to us is to, you know, to tell the truth, we should tell the truth. Where the call to us is forgive, we should forgive. So that that, that following, first and foremost, means doing as we're told mm. because if, if Jesus says and says come follow me and we don't begin walking in the direction that he is headed then the first thing that we've done is not follow mm. if we if we say to him just a second Jesus I've got to write a thesis on what following could possibly mean in this situation what it does what the Bible does say is that when he would say that to people 
they would stand up and follow him. They would leave their tax booths and follow him. They would leave their fishing nets and follow him. They would, people met Jesus and Jesus would say, I want you to become a follower of me. And then he would head toward the horizon and they would head after him because that's what following is. And his first people were called his followers because that is precisely the lifestyle that they had. And that's supposed to be an image of our lifestyle that where Jesus goes, we follow. Yeah. And there's, there's a, there's a, you talk about complexity. There's a, there's a simplicity in the, the message of Jesus. John the Baptist came, um, preceded Jesus. He came preaching a message of um, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, and um, and he was calling people back to the the um, the, the teachings and, and the law. And Jesus came pre- preaching the gospel, and and he boiled it down to basically the the great commandment. Mm-hmm. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and your mind and your neighbor as yourself. But the message of Jesus was follow me in doing that. Right. And and in doing that, make all of your actions um, honest. In doing that, make uh, all of your prayers real. In doing that, make all of your love uh, selfless and sacrificial. In doing that, so that that that... that that we are already following, that we are already listening, is is kind of always already the sub the presupposition of scripture that that we are already a people who are hearing, yeah. um, and and that which is which is why uh, the the theologian Bart see that the, the the first truth of scripture is 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 Deus Dexa, is that God speaks, mm. that the, the rest of it comes afterwards, but God is talking to us, and and if you don't believe in a communicative God who's interested in you and the decisions that you're making today, and you aren't listening to that son who's interested in you and the decisions that you're making today, then you haven't yet begun hearing. And the first thing that we hear is the mm-hmm. call to follow, it's the call to worship, the call to, um, so that, 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 but that, that basic assumption is that mm-hmm. there will be something to hear. There mm-hmm. will be something to apply. There will be something for me. And I think even just, reading scripture with that supposition that something in here will be for me something in here will be to 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 for my blessing or my betterment or or to tell me off in in ways that i'm wrong or to to widen my um, my mindset into into how i can serve um but something something in here god will tell me um and 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 i receive that as a as, as a soldier receiving orders, as a, mm-hmm. as a, as a good child receiving instruction, as a, you take any of the metaphors that Scripture uses, mm-hmm. um, as, a, as a covenantal partner doing my part, um, that, that when I hear, I, my, my job is to, is to follow and do. Yeah, and keep, keep in mind that, that God sort of envelops us with um, providence, yeah, and and it's you you this morning before you started worship uh, told a, a fantastic story of something that happened to you this morning that gives a great illustration of, of um, providence in God working our lives. Would you take just a couple minutes to tell the story? And <laughs> sure, yeah. it's it's kind of an odd story because I have to start with some stuff that's kind of embarrassing about me. Um, one is is that I drive a little white Daihatsu Syrian, and it looks roughly like the inside of a rubbish bin at McDonald's. All that vehicle does is takes me to work and back and sometimes via fast food outlets. And 
anyone who knows me knows that my my car's a mess and then there's the the car that my wife and the kids and we all drive together as a family and, and that uh, is a lot a lot nicer um, and uh, I had this odd urge last Saturday to clean my car um, in fact it was so out of out of turn for me that my my wife asked if I was picking up someone special mm. um, but I just had this odd I, I'd picked up my I, my son and we were drive, gonna drive back to to where, where we lived and and I just thought oh, I just I need to get this cleaned up and I I stopped at a, a place and I, I cleaned it up and it it didn't seem normal to me but that's what I did my car is also usually full of music gear I, I'm a worship leader at uh, a church in Hamilton. I'm also a worship leader at a church that we go to in, in Thames, which is about an hour and a half away. Um, and so I spend a lot of my Sundays driving between services um, with my, my car full of instruments with guitars and basses and acoustic guitars and drum gear for whatever I'll need. Um, and, and usually or the, on a normal day all the seats are folded flat and it's just full of gear. But um, because I'd been cleaning my car and because I'd been um, sort of sorting a bunch of stuff out, I unloaded all the gear from my car into a storage cupboard that I have at my church um, and and left it all there. And uh, on the way home, uh, raised those seats and continued cleaning my car. Um, and so that all brings us to this morning where uh, I, I get in my car to drive and I realize that I've gotten the times between the two churches that I help out at confused. Um, I, one of my, the churches I go to starts at eight, has an 8.30 meeting for a uh, 10 o'clock service and the other has a 9.30 meeting for a 10.30 service and I had planned my day to get to the 9.30 church by 8.30 in the morning and I, I was sort of on my way when I realized that I was running an hour ahead and I, again if you know me running ahead of schedule is not something I do. Um, I am a precisely on time or slightly late kind of human being and so I'm driving in this car that is uncharacteristically clean, it's uncharacteristically set up like a car, and I am uncharacteristically early. And I get into the middle of nowhere on the way, and I see a little boy at the side of the road, he puts his thumb out. And he's about the age of my son, and I'm honestly thinking about just turning around and having a word with him and explaining to him that hitchhiking isn't a game and he needs to go back inside. And as I look for a place to turn around in my rearview mirror, I see that he's joined by two much smaller girls. And there's a little, um, like a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And I'm thinking, okay, this really isn't cool. We can't have kids hitchhiking. Um, and so I say, to, I say to myself, okay, I'm gonna go, gonna go have a word here. I spin around, go back. And by the time I get back, there's a, a, a fourth person there and it's a mum. And I said, uh, to the mum and she was she was uh, visibly shaken and I said are you all right and she said she's no um, it's been a uh, you know a bit of an incident this morning I've, I've been kicked out of my my partner's house um, and he he just told us he didn't care he just wanted us out and we had to walk and these these people do not look like they've prepared for a day out the three of them are in their pajamas still and uh, and I said well and it, it occurred to me how odd this moment was that I'm, I have three, I have four spare seats. All of my seats are set up. I still have, because I haven't loaded my gear in the car, I still have the, the, the child restraint that I use for my two-year-old in the vehicle. And I say to this lady, uh, I would, I, would you like a ride? 
and she gets in the car, she gets all her kids in, we get them all buckled in, and she bursts into tears. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, what can I do to help? And she starts saying that they need to stop at a shop and get some stuff and they need to. And I realize I have an hour to kill. I have a full hour available to me. So I said, Rich, can you just tell me where you need to go? I'm just gonna keep helping you until I can drop you off somewhere. Get it to the shops, we get it to a, 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 a grandfather and the family. Uh, and, and I you know, wish them all the best and tell them that I, I pray God blesses them and head off to church. Just elated to make that happen. Mm. Just absolutely buzzed. I was that ready to assist. And through a series of uncharacteristic moments, through a series of things that were not very like me, God put me in the right place in the right vehicle with the right number of seats with the right restraints at the exact moment that I was needed with enough time to be helpful and so I, I got into to worship time this morning just blown away at what God can arrange um, when you just listen and do things that don't quite seem like you because you just feel that gentle push in that direction so it was an amazing morning it was an amazing time of worship um, but yeah, so I, I, it was an odd start to the day. Um, I praise God for the amount of forethought and planning he put in, um, and I'm just amazed at how that all played out. Okay, thanks, Seth. Well, it's, um, thank you for taking a little time just visiting with us. Uh, you may have heard that we had a, a downpour of rain. We needed the Waikato, and uh, we're just sitting around the, the dining room table. Um, Seth also does all the, the tech work for the, the podcasts, and he set us up with a... Um, uh, email address it's timothy at the following dot today that's timothy t-i-m-o-t-h-y at the following dot today and uh, we'll see you again in a week or so and god bless you and remember to follow